0: Good morning, Selwyn, and welcome to our Faith Lab. Uh, This is Lisa McLennan, and Lori and I are back this week to talk a little bit about uh, this week's scripture passage. Uh, As a reminder, we are Uh, working on parables this summer. We're working through some of the parables uh, and this week uh, we will be reflecting upon the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal uh, son and his brother. Um, So those are our three scripture passages. Uh, Lori, would you mind uh, reading those for us?
1: Sure. Hey, Lisa. Um... I think I'm going to read the first two from the gospel of Luke. And so this would be two short parables, one about a sheep that's gone missing and one about a coin that's gone missing. And then maybe we can just recap the story of the lost son after we're done. Okay, here we go. Which person among you having a hundred sheep and losing one out of them will not leave behind the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost until he finds it? And finding, he puts it up on his shoulders, rejoicing. And coming into the house, he calls together the friends and the neighbors, saying to them, rejoice together with me because I have found my sheep, the lost one. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven at one sinner repenting than at 99 righteous, those who have no need of repentance. And the second parable comes directly after the one about the sheep and it goes or what woman having 10 drachmas if she would lose one drachma does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek resolutely until she finds and when she finds she calls together friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me because I have found the drachma the one I had lost likewise I say to you there will be rejoicing before the angels of God at one
0: center, repenting. Amen. Great. Thanks, Lori. Um, Those are found in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, by the way, if y'all want to go back and look at them. The third parable that comes right after that is the one that's traditionally called the prodigal son. Um, And it's a a longer piece of scripture about uh, a man and his two sons. And the younger son asks his father for his inheritance early and he goes out and splurges it and then finds himself wallowing with the pigs and tending to them and says, hey, I think I'm going to go back to my father uh, have a better life there um, as a servant, even. So he returns home, the father rushes out to greet him rejoicing, throws a big party, welcoming him home, puts a ring on his finger, a robe on him, kills the fatted calf. And the older brother, who has stayed home and been diligently doing his thing, uh, is a little bit resentful and just says, hey, I've been here all along and you've never thrown me a big party like this. And the dad basically says, you know, I'm rejoicing because that son which is lost is now back and um, cause for celebration. So um, that's the, the quick and dirty version of the parable of the prodigal son. (laughs) But in all three of these parables, um, you know, it's they're they're lumped together as the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son, and all of which those things are found. Um, Do we want to just recap parables a little bit before we dig a little deeper into this one?
1: I'm sure, you know, uh, Jesus used these tools, um, these stories as a way to, as a primary way of teaching a diversity of people in the first century. And it is a traditional tra- tradition, an oral tradition, that was really inherited through his Jewish faith. And so people in the region would have been familiar and comfortable with this type of, of teaching and storytelling. Parables uh, transcend uh, our attempts to control or to create fact um, or list of creeds and dogma that, that would put God in a box and would allow us to minimize the requirements of what it means to be a person of faith. And so they become controversial when he might use a parable in speaking to someone who considers himself an expert in the law or a priest of, of high regard, um, if you know what I'm saying. Um, it's interesting to me that these three parables, you, you cannot get around the fact that these parables are about repentance. Um, and that word repentance, you know, in, in the old Testament is to, uh, tashuv, Um, that's the Hebrew word. It means literally to turn back to God or to turn back. Um, that word exists in at least two of the three parables. And in, some ways the, the prodigal son parable has that son physically turning back um, and yet if if we just stick with that one narrative about these three parables we're probably not going to find uh, the full story of what Jesus was trying to share with us
0: no absolutely Lori I love that um, and you know one of the other things I love about parables is you know, uh, they're intended to be heard in different time and contexts, and, and take away different meanings, right? And so depending on when you hear a parable or what season you may be in in your life, you may... Um... Okay, so sorry, Lori, my internet froze up a little bit. And, it happens. Uh, I don't know where I was mid-sentence, but I'm going to back it up a little bit. bit. Just pick so up a little bit. bit. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, you know, depending on what season you may be in your life, when you hear a parable, you may identify with different characters in the story and take away different understandings. And that's the beauty of a parable. So there may be a season in your life where you feel like you're the lost sheep and you are awaiting someone to come and find you. There may be seasons where you feel like you're the older brother who's resentful of uh, those who are being celebrated. Um, You know, there may be times you feel like the father or the shepherd who's lost the sheep. And so that's sort of, um, that's one of the things I love about parables and scripture in general, right? It continues to give us insights.
1: I'm hearing you talk about this and I'm thinking like a sheep in a coin, they can't repent. I mean, she, sheep are dumber than rocks, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's not as if the sheep or the coin can make a choice to be found. God, I wish that were the case because I've lost so many pieces of jewelry, you know, okay. in my life. Right? Like, uh-huh. I yeah. wish that a lost object could be found, but that there's something else going on here about um, the one finding, at least in the first two parables.
0: Absolutely, and I think to just sell these parables. Uh, to sell these parables as simply about repentance is to uh, short short sell them, it's just not enough. There's so much more to it. Um, in fact, as I've been reflecting on them this, this week in preparation for the sermon, I really, in some ways, I wish I could change the title to, um, instead of the coin and the sheep and the son, change it to the shepherd, the widow and the father. Because I'm really more reflecting in light of the past year and the and parables in general, maybe this this time it's an interpretation to think about loss, right? Like, we've lost coins before, we've lost keys, we've lost jewelry, we've lost, you know, we've lost things, and, and we've certainly grieved a lot this year about things we've lost, but we've also lost people.
1: Yeah, and like the panic that one feels when you lose something that's valuable. Like Mm -hmm. if you've ever lost your wedding ring or if you've ever lost um, or if you've ever been in a busy marketplace and lost a child like for 30 minutes. You know, I remember when my daughter Maeve was three and she just I turned I turned around and she was gone in the airport. I have never felt such terror in my entire life. And yeah. I, I screamed and everyone saw me scream in the entire airport search for her. And she was, she, I mean, you know, she dug down behind somebody, you know, but mm-hmm. it was terrifying. And, I, and I, I wonder about the implications of that for the church after the pandemic and who's missing or who we've, maybe who we've literally lost through death, but also who's not around. Um, and yeah. do we care enough to go find them?
0: Right, and have we observed it? Right, because if you're a shepherd with a hundred sheep, you're a person of means, right? If you're a church with four hundred and fifty members, like Selwyn, we're a we're a healthy, good-sized church. So, have we even noticed the, the sheep that we've lost? Right? Have we?
1: Well, I don't even think we know. You know, right. I, don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it's more than that. You know, it's. It's over 500 and then another 200 children, you know, and yeah. it, it to put into perspective, CMS um, last year during the pandemic lost thousands of kids uh, from their roles. They literally don't know where those kids went because of the gap in resources on technology and, and
0: access to the internet. So yeah, it's true of our very own Montclair. I had yeah. conversations with the social worker there about that, that they're just... Families and children they can't find. Yeah, yeah. So, and you
1: know, they may I, not have the capacity to to turn back. <laughs> right. You know. Right. but and, and and that's right. The church might The church better go looking with grace. Right. Yeah. And urgency. Yeah.
0: Right. So that's that's just sort of to me an important insight into these parables is you know. I, as a church and as people, you know, what have we lost? Who have we lost? And are they able to be found? Um, You know, yeah, I think there are some situations we can go seeking and find people and put them on our shoulders like the sheep and celebrate when they come back into our fold. But, um, you know, there may be some we we can't. That's a lot to wrestle with.
1: You know, I'm thinking about some, people I've known over the years who've had like a young adult child who just lost his or her way and, and them coming to the term coming to terms with the fact that they can't go pursue that child. They love that in some ways they have to let go and wait and how painful that also is. Yeah. Um, so I am reminded that the parables cannot, they're not black and white. They're not commandments. That can be followed to the mark, and in that it requires us to just listen with an open heart and, and use them in a way that we might hear God's truth for our lives, whatever situation we're, we're in.
0: Right, right. Well, and also remembering that um, it's not solely up to us alone. Right, that it's that we are not alone in our um, seeking that, you know, really this is God's story. Jesus is telling this story and that, um, you know, the good news of the gospel is there's nowhere you can go where you can't be found. Um, there's nowhere that, you know, uh, the spirit of, of God can't find you and be with you and pursue you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, it's not solely up to us. Yes, we have a role to play in noticing who have we lost along the way and how might we reach out to them, but also remembering that the good news of the gospel is that God continues to pursue and call us and is always with us.
1: That sounds like a good place to end.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed.
1: I hope folks will come to the sanctuary on Sunday at 10:30 uh, to join us for worship. If you cannot make it physically or you don't feel comfortable yet, then know that Facebook Live will carry our live stream worship. Uh, and if you have young children, our chapel is open, uh, and that place is set up for um, babies and toddlers to to move about the cabin freely. Um, and masks are are mandatory in that chapel space. Um, Hope you'll consider what these parables might mean for you, and you should go back to Luke or Matthew and find them and figure out who you who which of these characters um, is speaking to you right now. Um, I'm going to share as a close a closing blessing, um, a blessing from Jan Rick- Richardson from um, her new book, The Cure for Sorrow. Um, it's a blessing entitled "Soulless Blessing." That's it. That's all this blessing knows how to do. Shine your shoes, fill your refrigerator, water your plants, make some soup. All the things you cannot think to do yourself when the world has come apart, when nothing will be normal again. Somehow, this blessing knows precisely what you need, even before you know. It sees what will bring the deepest solace for you, it senses what will offer the kindest grace. And so it will step with such quietness into the ordinary moments where the absence is the deepest. It will enter with such tenderness into the hours where the sorrow is most keen. You do not even have to ask. Just leave it open, your door, your heart, your day, and every aching moment it holds. See what solace spills through the gaps your sorrow has torn. See what comfort comes to visit, holding out its gift in each compassionate hand. Amen.
0: Oh man. Thanks, Lori. Bye, soon. y'all. We'll see you soon.